These big homie rules. I give my little homie jewels. Some shit they can use. You give your little homie tools. And tell them go do some shit that you wouldn't do. You what up, Joe? It's your boy Ayo reporting live from the rules. culture. It's a big homie move. Cause this will be For the culture. Do. I never fold, lead by example. Alexa, stop. What up, though? Today is February 18th, a Tuesday, approximately a quarter to nine o'clock here in a rainy day in Atlanta, Georgia. I want to shout out everybody, all my street cats, all my corporate cats, all my hustlers, all my females out there hustling in corporate America, all the moms out there taking care of a family and husband and single mothers out there grinding, you know, all the single fathers out there, all the all the soldiers and vets out there protecting us out there in the world, you know, it's for the cultures, for the hip hop cultures. Um, getting to the bag. That was the Yo Gotti, Big Homie Rules off his new album. I haven't had a chance to really listen to all of it yet. Uh, I was listening to Joe Budden. He says, uh, when do 40-year-olds listen to hip-hop? That is a great question. When do we get in that bag? For me, when do I get in that bag? I make playlists. I make fire playlists. Um, man, I make a fire playlist. What, let's see here. What is my playlist looking like right now? Out here. Talking it. Let me show you how I'm living it. Let me see here, cause I'm playing with my phone. Man, y'all understand my hookup is real ghetto right now on this podcast, but I don't even care. I'm trying to just give y'all that content. But um, one of my playlists right now, my most recent one, um, I call it Summer 19. And I got Forgiven, 2 Chains, Marsha uh, Ambrosia, Nas, No Bad Energy, Energy, Big Creek, Motion, Drake, Black and Blue, Mass Appeal with Ezra, TBA, Bun B, Static Selector, Propane, Killer Kaleon, Stuck in the Grind, Bino with Nipsey, Perfect Timing, Nipsey, Running the Streets with Rick Ross, A Boogie, Gold Bottles, Rick Ross, Drake, No Guidance, Chris Brown, Drake, Big Boy Talk, Jeezy, Rick Ross, One Time Jeezy, Trap, Trap a Nigga, Devin the Dude, 5 a.m. in Toronto. I took it a little back. I got that Benny the Butcher, Sunday School, Giannis, Freddie Gibbs, you know, that Jim Jones, Critical Occasion. I even got in that Tyler, the Creator bag. So, you know, for my generation, we make these fire playlists. That, that was my most recent playlist i haven't made one for 2020 yet um i do go through albums the most recent albums that have just stuck to me were the freddie Gibbs bandana the jim jones capo album the Nas lost tapes 2 i'm trying to think of any others that kind of it's a few others but those off the top of my head um were the albums that I, I really just listened to. Um, Yo Gotti did drop um, some good content in the last couple of years, man. 
He's one of my favorite trap rappers. Um, so I can't wait to check this album out. So I do listen to a lot of my music sometimes at work. It's a little hard sometimes. I do tend to listen to a lot of music in the car or when I'm at the gym. Um, so I, I don't consume it as fast, the music that is, as fast as I used to. Um, I sit on it a lot more. Um, I'm an avid listener. I do go back to old stuff a lot of times. But, you know, music is beautiful. I love hip-hop. Uh, continuing, uh, the... We want to talk about the button podcast. Uh, we're going to let me preview a couple of things. I got the be like Mike Mamba mentality part two. It's already done with my boy Ra. Um, we're going to record another one and then I'm going to uh, use that one we recorded last week as the part three. We're going to do a part two first. Um, he, my homeboy made some great points. I kind of talked over him. Um, it's my first time doing the interview. I'm I'm just trying to get better at this. I'm not perfect. Um, I was just so excited to talk about Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, my two of my favorite players. So I kind of cringe at that podcast, but I am going to put it out. It was a very good conversation. He'll be on here all the time, my boy Ra. Um, he's just been busy, so we haven't had a chance. And then we got part. Four coming up with my boy K Boogie, Karan Joseph Riley. Um, and uh, you know, these are my homeboys, these are my brothers, and we're gonna talk about that. Um, I want to correct something I said on that previous Mamba Mentality Be Like Mike podcast. I did not interview Kobe Bryant, I misspoke. I was referencing to when I um watch his interviews and I just kind of misspoke but uh, you know today's uh, world I want I don't want anybody thinking I claim to have interviewed Kobe I definitely have not uh, moving forward Jay-Z had a line off ride or die do you want to ride or die and I believe his lines were you always get effed out your publishing Always got to be the weakest dude out the crew. I probably make more money off your album than you. Was his line. Or something to that effect. He said, cat sounding real breezy on them R&B records. I'm platinum a million times. Check the credit. S. Carter, Ghost Rider. For the right price. Yeah, I might make your shit tighter. I roast niggas like you. Put the toast to niggas like you. You see what we do and why we done it. Yeah, Jay was going on that track. Um, that's off that uh, Hard Knot Volume 2. Um, I didn't really know in 97. I think that was 97. He was going at Mace. Kind of heard he was going. It could have been Mace. We was always guessing who he was going at. You know, we was like, is that Nas? Is it Mace? It was one of them two cats. We knew it was... One of them two cats, but we were never sure it was just a good bar. Well, we got this situation that came out where Puff spoke about black excellence for the Grammy. And he was speaking um, at a Clyde Davis event and referencing um, 
the Grammys inclusion, you know, Snoop Dogg should have gotten the Grammy for Doggy Style. Um, Nas, pick an album. But Illmatic, more importantly. Beyonce, Lemonade album. Um, you know, so we, you know, Solange, DOC, who no one could do it better. You know, we can go list the albums. I, for me, I always love, love Mac Mall, Untouchable album. You know, so, and that goes on to this day. You know, Grammys is not perfect. They don't, they, they get it right sometimes, but they often don't understand the culture. And they don't appreciate black culture. Damon Dash spoke uh, to Joe Button in regards to culture vultures. And that birth for the culture, by the way, for all y'all, uh, for me. Uh, culture vultures where he was speaking of how we can have this urban culture of music, hip hop, you know, dancing, graffiti, visuals. And you can have, and it's not that I like and love everybody, but you can have someone from another culture running black music and how black women are not included. That Why do black women need to work for any of these people when they, I put this on my um, Instagram page where black women are from the culture, of the culture and birth the culture. Why do black women need to work for anybody outside of the culture? Am I saying that other cultures, specifically in this instance, white, cannot be involved in some leadership? Absolutely, they can. But for the majority, we should not be working for anyone outside of this culture. And, you know, just feel like bloodsuckers to the culture. And that's what Puff was talking about in terms of black excellence piggybacking or pivoting off of that, let's talk about Sean Diddy Combs versus Mace. Specifically, just in terms of that publishing, as I gave you that Jay-Z line. So this must have been understanding in the industry or something that Jay knew about Mace's deal that maybe Puff shared with them. Mace sold his publishing for $2 million. Well, actually for $20,000 back in somewhere probably between 95 and 97. That's a lot of money then. That's some good little chunk change. Now, nah, probably wouldn't sell you publishing for 20, probably be closer to 70,000 now. But Mace, to give context to it, he was in the heart of that East Coast, West Coast beef. When Biggie passed, the great notorious Big pass, Mace put Bad Boy on his back. Wrote a lot of those hit records. In fact, More, More, More Money, More Problems, according to Mace, was his song. They added Biggie's verse and added a verse for Diddy, but that's how talented Mace was, or it still is. Mace was 19 at that time, and Puffy was probably 26, 27. So I'm going to attribute to them both being young. Mace wouldn't know any better. Look, I'm just hitting my 40s. I st 
still trying to understand business a lot better. You know, it, it, it's something that you're constantly relearning and relearning. As you get older, you make a lot of mistakes. Things I did in my 20s, I regretfully look at now in my late 30s, early 40s, right? And so that's to be expected. And, I'm, and you know, I'm still young, so we're still learning. And I'm sure Puff didn't understand the importance of what Mace was trying to say based off what Puff was trying to say. Black excellence. We can't be enslaving each other. We can't be working for people outside of our culture and we can't be enslaving each other as well. Puff, Mace, here's what I think you guys should do. Mace, the pen is mightier than the sword. You know that because you got a mad ill pen. But this is business. And you know that Puff, without his platform, you probably are not in the position that you are today to offer Puffy $2 million for your publishing back. Puffy, without Mace, maybe Bad Boy doesn't get past the biggie death. Maybe you're not in a position to be a multi-millionaire slash billionaire exec. You wouldn't have Ciroc. You wouldn't have Sean John. So here's what I think. Take the two million and go 50-50 on the publisher. I think that's fair. And then Mace, put out some new music and own your stuff. Mace, you did just dip out the game on him. Puff did give you a lot of paper, bro. He gave you a lot of paper. And you decided you didn't want to do that anymore. You didn't even promote your second album. And I don't even feel like you put your heart and soul in that album. It was a lot of potential, but, you know, you were in a different headspace. And that's cool, you know. But Puff did look out, you know. But Puff, do the right thing like you did for the locks. That's black excellence. Something that I heard uh, Rory and Maul and Joe on the Button podcast speak to was the cam, horse, and carriage. This Essentially, this is what Diddy, excuse me, Cam and Mace, who play high school ball together, who grew up together, fell out about. Because Mace went to Cam and said, hey, for the I'm, I need 40000 for the verse and to be in the video. Cam was pissed off. He was very upset. And they had a bitter, bitter, bitter feud for the last, since I was like 18 to now, you know, 40. It's like us as men, us specifically as black men, we got to sit down and learn how to communicate with each other. We let our ego and our emotion get in the way. But won't say nothing to the white guy, the white man that's hoeing us or playing us. You know what I mean? Oftentimes, we don't even stand up for our sisters. We sitting there watching some dude kick our sister around and we filming it. You know what I mean? We, we get mad at the wrong things in our culture. You know, we got to stop that. And had Mace and Cam had sat down and had a conversation, and they're young, 
But that's where the OGs are supposed to step in at and say, look, young fellas, Mace had a point. The record company was going to charge you money against you for the video anyway. So give me 40,000 of that. I'm your mans. I took you to Biggie's house. I didn't ask for no finder fee. Cam, if I was you, I'd be like, Mace, 40,000. I might've felt away for a half a second. But after I sat down, this is my older self thinking that. Perhaps my younger self may have came to that thought. You know what? You my man, you took me to Biggie's house. That's easy. May said he could have split the 40 with him. That's real hustler stuff. That's real Harlem. I would think Harlem getting money, right? But they weren't real Harlem on that one. So who was right? I think everybody had a point. Puff had a point. Mace has a, a very good point. Cam had some points. And, and Mace had points with Cam. But we got to understand to communicate with each other, not enslave each other. It's okay for your mans to make money off you. And it's okay when you're making money off your mans to make sure you look out for him long term and don't take advantage of that situation. That's all I got to say about that. Um, moving on to my next topic. Ja, ja, excuse me, Ja Morant is currently on pace to be the rookie of the year. He has the eighth seed Memphis Grizzlies at 28 and 26. He's averaging 17.6 points a game, basically 18, three and a half rebounds, basically four, seven assists. He's shooting 49.3% from the field. So he's basically making 50% of his shots shooting the three ball at about 35.8 and shooting about 78% from the free throws. So he's basically 18, three rebounds, well, excuse me, 18, four rebounds, seven assists, 50% field goal, 30% from three, 80% from the free throw, AFC, rookie of the year, no contest right now. My question for the culture is, yo, Zion is back. John Moran has played 48 of a 80, 48 of a possible 82 games so far. Is it possible that Zion, who's only played 10 games, who, by the way, is averaging 22 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, 2.2 assists, shooting 57.6 from the field and a modest 65% from the free throw. But he's also shooting at 36%, was actually 36.4 from the three-point line. Zion Williams is currently six games back. Where are they at? The Pelicans are 11 seeds, so they're six games back in the loss column at 23 and 32. And Memphis Grizzlies is 28 and 26. I was kicking it with my dog, my homeboy. We discussing that. He says it's John Moran's to win, regardless if he doesn't make the playoffs. But we know there's a media agenda on things. 
And I do say, I do believe personally that if Zion makes a push, it's going to be tough because Portland's starting to come on. And they're at the ninth seed. And Portland is, one, is my favorite team in the NBA to watch to play. I know there's teams with better records, but Portland, I love watching them play basketball. I love their offense. Um, they got hit with some injuries, but they're, you know, we'll say that for another conversation. But if Zion catches Memphis and gets the eighth seed, do we give Zion the rookie of the year? Is that not fair to John Morant, who's played the bulk of the season? Or could they both be co-rookies of the year? I don't know. I got to see how it plays out. If Zion makes it close in the end, I don't know. You may have to go co-rookie of the year. They did it for Grant Hill and uh, Jason Kidd. So there's a precedence there. And... Um, you know, I don't know. I enjoy watching them play. John Morant, he's a hell of a player. He's kind of um, what D'Angelo Russell mixed with uh, Westbrook. That's what I see of his game. And it's, uh, he's a better shooter, obviously, than Westbrook. But, you know, he's kind of got that game. And Zion Williams, he's kind of got a little Charles Barkley, a little more... Uh, He's, he's, he's somewhere between a hybrid between Charles Barkley, Larry Johnson, and Blake Griffin. Somewhere in there. I mean, I mean, this kid is like, both of these guys are phenomenal. Zion, he has to lose weight. He's, he's got to get down to a body fat. That's really what it is. He needs, I don't know what his body fat is right now, but he needs to probably get to a body fat by next season. By the start of training camp, he needs to be hovering around 13 to 15% body fat. He needs to shred his body. He's probably around 22 right now, which is awesome. You know, if you're not 6'7", you know, I don't know what the guy weighs, probably 296, 289, somewhere in there. That's a lot of weight for him jumping like that. He probably needs to get closer to roughly... I don't know. I like to see him around 268. That's probably a good weight, but maybe 274, 275 probably would be ideal. But, you know, I think I like to see him around 268. Um, you know, body fat between, I think he in the next three years, you'd like to see his body fat closer to about 12%. Uh, you know, I think that'd be good for him. Um, this takes a lot of dieting. Little, some bike, some cycling, uh, a lot of core workouts. I think if I was him being an ex-ball player myself, I'd concentrate on doing a lot of squats, a lot of uh, deadlifts, um, things for your knees and your joints to keep them strong because there's a lot of tension he's putting on that body. But he's got the skills. He's got the it factor. I, I, I love his game. I love the direction that he's going in. This, these two guys are phenomenal, and it's going to be interesting. Um, just going on my pre uh, my NBA midseason thing, I had I did not watch the All Star game. Uh, I'm going to try to catch it this weekend. Uh, me and my boy Rod talk about it, 
But right now, uh, my preseason pick was uh, the Clippers versus the Sixers in the finals. Um, I, right now, if I had to pick again, I would probably go Milwaukee in the Lakers. Um, I'm not confident on the Lakers, though. But, you know, 41 and 12, winning 77.4% of their games. They're 28 and 6 in conference, 7 and 2 in division. I mean, they're 18 and 7 at home, but that, they're 23 and 5 on the road. And that, that's, that's huge. Um, and, uh, the Denver Nuggets, they, they, they have a, um, a very good team. They're deep. I think they're a year away. That's why it's important for LeBron to try to get the championship this year. I know they're trying to play for Kobe, but I think the Clippers are as well, but not as much as the Lakers. The Clippers are 37-18. The thing I look at championship teams, and I've been watching, I've been watching basketball since 1986. I saw Michael Jordan basically a year removed from his foot injury, uh, 86, 87. Uh, I was too young in 84 when he came in the league. So I was, you know, but I started watching basketball about 86. Um, so I, I saw Magic. I saw Larry Bird, Isaiah, Charles Barkley, Malone, Elijah Wan. I, uh, to the new generation, I saw AI, Kobe, LeBron, you know, I've seen them all, you know, I, from a good period, uh, you know, maybe someone born a generation Xer, they probably have the best scope on this because they probably seen it more than I have. But from what my vantage point of watching basketball, what I can tell you is when these dominant teams that win, they go on these runs to win championships, they go on these three week, six week windows where they dominate. I mean, where they're going on 12-game, 13-game winning streaks. Or they win 22 of their last 25 games. I mean, something crazy, you know. And the Lakers have done that. The Raptors have done that. Milwaukee Bucks, they're 46-8. and eight. They've definitely done it. And I'm just so surprised that losing Brogdon, that they're this good. Wesley Matthews. He is the best player I've ever seen come back from an Achilles injury. I've seen Elton Brand, Kobe, Dominique, Branding Jennings, Isaiah retired after he popped his Achilles, Shaq retired after he popped his. So, I mean, I mean they're just, they're a little weak on the wings, but... Chris Middleton, he, he's baby KD. He puts you in the post, shoot over you. He can hit the outside jumper. I mean, he, he makes them so versatile. Uh, Hill is playing well. Uh, they have a chance to win 70 games, somewhere between 68 and 70 games, I'm predicting. Uh, Toronto's going to be a tough out. They have championship grit. They're 40 and 15. Boston is very solid in the East, 38 and 16. Um, Tatum and Brown are excellent. Kimba is excellent. Look, you know, they got a good team there. The Heat, they're hungry. 
You don't want to see them in the first round. They got the four seed. And Philly, I'm disappointed in them. I mean, they have a good record, 34 and 21, but I expected more. I, I don't know if it's Brett Brown, the coach of them. I think he gets a lot of, I think it's easy to, to be, beat up on him. I think sometimes, because he doesn't look like like those coaches, like a pop or, uh, you know, Spolstra or Pat Riley or Chuck Daly or Phil Jackson, those guys that have that, you know, that aura about them. You know, he, he just looks like a guy, you know, a cool guy, but he doesn't have that aura. And I think it's just easy to beat up on him. You know, I think what's hard, and I think he's doing an excellent job for the most part, but it may be either him or Embiid. Because if Ben Simmons is not going to develop a shot, and then you have Embiid on the block, you don't have to fully commit to either guy. You can kind of play off the wing, meaning like if Embiid is on the box and Ben Simmons is dumping the ball from him from 22 feet out, because you're going to have to get the spacing that way, because if you're 18 in, it's easy to, it's too much, it's way easier to, play both guys because you're going to leave Ben Simmons open, right? So that'll allow you to double Embiid. Because I would say, hey, Ben Simmons just beat us from the outside. In the, in the playoffs, you pack the lane in, and it's a lot harder to, to get to the basket in the playoffs. The game is faster, it's more intense, it's definitely more physical. So it creates a spacing problem. I don't feel like Philly has enough shooters so with all that said, perhaps you look into moving Embiid, maybe not next year, but you got to look at it. You got to start. I don't think Ben Simmons is the guy I would trade. I think, you know, he's, he's going to be more healthy, I think. I think if I had to, you know, like Kobe and Shaq, you know, who's the guy who's going to maintain their thread on their tires longer? Um. The Pacers, you know, they got Oladipo coming back. They're pretty solid. They look a little confused trying to implement him back into it. I haven't watched a lot of the Brooklyn Nets or the Mag Orlando Magic games, so I can't comment on them. I, you know, after football season, I just started watching basketball, but it's kind of hard, you know, when you work and you're trying to record these podcasts. But I'm going to do a better job of that. Um and the, ironically, the Wizards, they have a they got a chance to get the AC. <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, then we go to the West. Again, like I said, the Lakers, the pros for the Lakers. I like their size. Dwight is definitely a great wind protector off the pick and roll is very effective. Anthony Davis, there's no one in the league that can uh Game, you know, there's no one in the league that can game for him, guard him. He's versatile. He can shoot the three. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he can shoot it. He can hit the jumper. He can come off the curl, hit the jumper. He can go to the basket, um, you know, finish at the hole. You can post him. He's just a matchup nightmare. Plus, he's going to get rebounds, block shots. He can push the ball up the court, you know. I, I know he doesn't like to play the center, 
But I think that would be their best lineup. Let me see. You always look at these teams and say, who's their five? Who, who are the five that you would want out there in the playoffs? And if I was them, the Lakers, I think I would go Anthony Davis at my five. I think I would want LeBron at my four. Hope I don't put my foot into my mouth trying to do this off the top of my head. Uh, my three, Kuzma. My two, I think you definitely want to go Danny Green, possibly, or you can interchange him with Cobwell Pope. Just depends on who you feel like has it going the best. And I do like at their point guard. I mean, because LeBron is going to essentially play the point. So you could have Pope and uh, Green out there at the same time. You know, the, it's really positionless, 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 positionless basketball now. So, you know, but I don't like when LeBron brings the basketball up the court. I think it's wearing. I think it's taxing. I think the offense is not fluid. He's great, but when he goes out the game, the team doesn't have an identity because they're so used to letting LeBron think for them. Um, the great thing that I used to love about MJ was MJ, when he was in the offense, he, did, he would sometimes bring the ball up, but he would get rid of it quick and get to a spot and run his motion. Now, when they got down to the end of the clock, maybe about eight, nine seconds left on the clock, then Jordan would create. He would either take it to the basket, isolate, get a jumper, or if the double came, kicked it to the right guy. But it was all within the offense. Yeah, there were nights. There were plenty of nights where Mike Jordan had to be Mike Jordan. I'm not saying that. But that was, that was when Michael was picking his spots. But when he was go to the bench, the team had an identity. He just wasn't out there. But the offense was still being fluid. And I think that's the key thing when you're playing sports, especially basketball, is if you're playing pickup ball, I don't care how talented the other team is. If the other team is being selfish and not passing the ball and the other team decides to sit down on them and they're just playing me, 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 me. Harden, your turn. Westbrook, your turn. Turn. It's easy to sit down on that. The other team might not have as much talent, but if they're moving the ball around, they're going to get better shots. And if you have one guy just, you know, you see oftentimes Houston, for example, they're just watching Harden go. I do love the way Westbrook is playing because I think now he's really being a distributor instead of looking to get his points. And if it doesn't, it's nothing there, then kick it out. But now you have three other guys just watching you play. And that doesn't make them want to play defense. And then when you need them to hit a basket, you go 0 for 22 like they Houston did a couple of years ago. I don't know if it was 0 for 22, but they couldn't hit a three-pointer in the game seven at home against the Warriors. And that's what I'm afraid for the Lakers is when LeBron is out the game, they're okay. The key component for the Lakers is, can Anthony Davis be the beast? He has to be the best player on the floor. He has to be a dog. 
And if they can do that, they can get to the finals. I don't know if they can beat Milwaukee, but they can get to the finals. I, I believe in LeBron, but the Clippers, they haven't went on that. I know they haven't been healthy, but they haven't gone on that three to six week window where you're just like, yeah, they ready. That could happen. We're going into the second half of the season. I do think they got the five guys. I mean, I, I believe they're going to go Montreal. Let's see. They'll probably go Pat Beverly. What five would I go with? Pat Beverly. I probably would even look at... They could go... Pat Beverly at the one. Paul George at the two. Kawhi at the three. Those guys are going to lock you down. At the four, they could go Marcus Morris and Montrell Harrell. They can interchange Lou Williams with Patrick Beverly and Zubac with uh, Montrell. They have a they have a pretty exceptional team. They're picking up Reggie Jackson. I I don't love. I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. Reggie was such a disappointment for us. He might be a better fit in that role, but they have a five. Now the key thing when the Lakers and Clippers play each other is the Davis matchup. LeBron's going to be LeBron. No, he hasn't looked like LeBron when he's played them, but I I, I feel like in the playoffs he's going to be ready. But I am concerned that when he plays the Clippers, they have enough personnel to show that he's a little long in the tooth and that it is thread missing on his tires. He's lost a little bit of a step. Not much. He's still the top three player in the league, but he's not the undisputed best player in the league anymore. He can be on any given night, but, you know, he can't let Patrick Beverly lock you up. They can put a lot of bodies on him. Marcus Morris, they can throw Paul George at him. They can throw Kawhi at him. Um, so the Clippers, if they can handle Davis in a seven-game series, which is going to be hard, very, very, very hard. If you watch those games, even though the Clippers won, the Clippers won because they have more dog in them right now. If the Lakers can understand that everything runs through Davis and Davis can get that dog and finish and close the games, that's going to be a hard series for the Clippers to win. But I'm going to tell you this. Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the league. He's been the best player in the league for the last two years. We're going on the last two years. I know you can argue Giannis and you can argue LeBron. I get that. But when you take your team to the finals, the Toronto Raptors, which no one believed will win the title and win the championship and do what he's doing right now, winning the MVP, he's in his prime. He's at peak. You know, that counts for something. But right now, I'm not really sure. The Clippers haven't shown me that they can go on that run. And that playoffs, you got to go on those runs when you're down in that fourth quarter 12 you got to be able to go on those runs and I haven't seen them do that yet Utah looks good uh 
I don't, we have to see how they look in the playoff series. Um, I think they may be a player short, but they're phenomenal. The Rockets, I do like the Rockets, despite me saying what I said about Harden. I do like the Rockets, but Harden is the key. Westbrook is going to come with it. Now that Westbrook understands that he's not a three-point shooter and he's taking a more of a mid-range game, slashing, he knows how to play off Harden. Harden doesn't know how to play off him. Harden has to make the adjustment here. I would rather Harden figure out that we run the offense through Westbrook and then Harden to pick his spots when he needs to take over. In the playoffs, he's got to figure out how to conserve energy because bringing the ball up, ISO in, dribble, 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 and shooting a step back 23-foot jumper, it's taxing in the playoffs. That's why we like to think he choked, but he didn't choke. He just, it's a lot of energy to do that. And you need to play within more of a flow of an offense. And if he can figure that out, how to play off Westbrook, because Westbrook knows how to play off him. And they can get hot because they lack size now that they don't have Clint Capella. You know, they would be a dangerous team you want to see in the playoffs. But if those shots are not falling for them, there's going to be a lot of offensive rebounds that they give up in the playoffs. And that might be too much to overcome. OK City, OK City, Thunder, very good team. I like them. Chris Paul, they had an award for comeback player of the year. He would be it. I know I saw him catch that oop. One of my favorite players in the league to watch play. Luca, what you could say about him, team of the future. And we talked about John Morant. Um, so we, you know, we see what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Um, we'll have a couple of my brothers on here. We're going to talk some more sports, obviously. And, uh, you know, tap into this basketball back. I just wanted to give y'all something to, you know, keep the content going. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to improve. You know, we're going to talk about more of the hip-hop. I'm almost done with this Freddie Gibbs bandana review that I got on my Tumblr. IV for the culture. IV the culture. So that's IV Roman numeral K-U-L-T-U-R-E. Did I say that right? I-V-T-H-E-K-U-L-T-U-R-E. On Tumblr, I have... The two chains I said me breakdown that I had for the podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed that. That was a little choppy, but, you know, I'm passionate about this hip-hop stuff, passionate about sports. Um, we're getting this politic bag on y'all, too, um, soon, because it's going to be a crazy year on the election. Um, and, you know, you know, I hope y'all enjoy yourselves. Have a good week. I'm going to keep them pumping out. Stay tuned for that um, Mamba Mentality Part 3, 2 and 3 coming up. Um, we're going to have the Desires Podcast where we're getting the toxic masculinity. Do, <laughs> do men have more intimacy with their boys, their homies? And we don't mean on a sexual level, no homo. Um, it's, we just mean like our camaraderie. If you understand what the word in intimacy means, it just means it's not a sexual thing. It's just more like we, you know, you want to. I got a homegirl the other day. I'll tell you this. 
she uh, called me and she said, my dude want to take my car and leave and go watch the All-Star game with his boys. And she said, I dropped my, my kids off at my mother's and I thought he would spend time with me. He made a big deal about going and spending time with his boys. Look, I get it. Me, at the age I am now, I'd rather spend time with my girl. But I, you know, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I understand. You know, it's your boys, the camaraderie. You feel like you're missing something. Oh, homie, you should have been there. I think the best thing to do when you over the age of 34 is and you got a girl that's throw something at the house, invite your boys over and have them bring their girls. That's the easiest way to resolve it. But the fact that he wanted to spend more time with his boys and he was so irritated about it. And even though he said, you're right, baby, but he was still irritated. He still left <laughs> and went to go hang with his partners. And, you know, we're going to get into that. And I'm going to have my home girl, Latte, on here. And she going to chop it up. That's going to be really good. So y'all stay tuned. I'm hollering out for the culture. It's your boy, Ayo. We holler. One.